What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Another edition of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. We are previewing the Lady in Black this week. Uh, I'm Dan Malin, joined by the FSWA two-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, how are you? How was the Kansas race for you last week? So Kansas was good. I had a pretty good feeling about that race going into it. I felt like I had a pretty good read on it. We both we both did, I feel like. Um, just kind of... It was one of those races where you had to be right on the chalk, because otherwise it wasn't going to go your way. Um, and I feel like we were, for the most part, on our picks. Um, woke up Sunday morning feeling really good about Kyle Busch, and that paid off. <laughs> um, so congrats to Kyle Busch for getting a win um, when it's actually early enough in the season to count. Um, so, yeah, that was it was pretty cool. And then I was a tenth of a point on FanDuel away from a takedown, and then about <clears throat> 15 minutes later they stat corrected. And I tied, so I technically got a second takedown of the season. There you go. Um, which also, you know, helped a little bit there. I went from three hundred bucks to four hundred and fifty bucks. So you know, not not a bad day there. Um, yeah, with uh, on the, I was having kind of like a ho hum kind of average day. I wasn't drowning by any means. Uh, I was pretty much breaking even for most of the race. And then I don't know what happened, but on the last restart, I was up about four hundred bucks on DraftKings, and then. Uh, Blaney and Larson got into it, so that kind of killed right. it. But I still finished ahead about 150 bucks, and and I made 12 on the truck race. So still, still another weekend in the green. Another week I don't have to, you know, throw money at the the old DraftKings account. So haven't had to do that in about six weeks. So I feel like we're on a pretty good. We're riding a good wave right now. Yeah, I haven't had to put money in Fanduel all season because oh, that's right. You hit at Daytona. <laughs> I hit at Daytona. <laughs> Uh, took about half that money out <laughs> and then still haven't had to deposit. So, you know, that that's looking pretty nice. Wish DraftKings was about the same. Um, that last restart was nuts. And um, I will blame NASCAR for that because they the, the whole tire debacle there on pit road was... Pretty dumb. That was pretty stupid. And I was watching Door Bumper Clear earlier in the week, which is a podcast from... Um, Dirty Mo Media, which is Dale Jr.'s <clears throat> media company. Um, Door Bumper Clear has a couple of different spotters in the Cup Series on it. So it's like uh, Freddie Kraft and TJ Majors um, and one other guy. And they talk about, the you know, they recap the races from a spotter perspective, from a strategy perspective. It's kind of cool. And, um, yeah, they were like, either you throw the caution when it happens – or you don't throw the caution at all because waiting 15 laps to throw it and then going, well, we thought it was so far out of the racing surface that we could let the pit cycle run through. Well, if it's out of the racing surface and it's not causing a problem, why are you going to throw a caution, right? Either you throw a caution when it happens because that's what you do when there's a loose tire. Every single time they've thrown a caution for a loose tire on pit road, regardless of, if it winds up in the infield grass or not. Um, but this time, it just seemed like uh, they were kind of trying to rig the race a little bit because the 17 car played it beautifully to just stay out front and hope for the caution and they could pit without giving up the lead. And then that's not what happened. They got screwed. And um, I tend to think if it was a bigger name up front, they probably would have played it differently uh, in terms of throwing the caution or not. 
So I, I thought that was a complete farce um, there. Um, I think what I didn't appreciate was the announced team. Um, while they they weren't shying away from it, but they were saying like, yeah, NASCAR typically does this, but that's at the same time, like they don't let it stretch for 20 to 25 laps. Yeah, it went 15 laps Yeah, between, like I get if you're going to wait a couple laps to see if it's actually in the way. But 15? And then you come out after the race and say, well, we thought it wasn't in the way enough to call it, so we were going to let it, you know. But you thought it was in the way after everyone cycled through. Right, exactly. Like, how is it now in the way when nobody's going to come to pit road because there's 30 laps left in the race, and that was the last pit stop. Mm-hmm. Right? So they threw it, and then it bunched everybody up with, like, 30 laps to go, and a Kansas restarts are nuts, and we saw what happened um, so yet again, Kyle Larson doesn't get a finish that, you know, finished spot he probably deserved, which should have been in the top five. Instead, he gets 19th because uh, you know, restarts were nuts. And Blaney did a heck of a job saving that thing uh, for sure. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, you know, Kansas, that's why Kansas is fun. The restarts are always awesome. Um, the racing was awesome basically all day. Um, it know, was actually, you know. I, I'm always a little worried about Kansas because I just don't think it's that great of – I just don't think we've seen great racing there. Like, we've seen some some pretty boring and dull races. But last week's race was actually pretty exciting. I well, at night, at night it tends to get a little bit more – because there's more grip. It's cooler. Um, you know, that affects the racing. But during the day, it's, a, it's slicker. The sun's out. The track drives differently, which is why they're trying to gear for day races. Same thing at Richmond. They want the day races at Richmond because it's a better uh, race during the day than it is at night at Richmond now. So, But now we'll move on to Darlington. Um, you know, the Lady in Black or the track that's too tough to tame. It's the first of two stops this year. We actually get two scheduled stops at Darlington. Before last year, there was only one, the Southern 500. Um, then last year they ran three because they ran the back-to-back races when they first started up, and then they came back for the Southern 500 in September. Um, and this is a pretty interesting track. There's tire wear that's involved. There's two different shapes at the ends of the track. Turns one and two are wider than turns three and four. Um, so you got to kind of set the car up a little differently for both ends of the track, which is tougher to do when there's no practice or qualifying. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you can run the, the bottom groove or you can run the high groove here. The high groove does come with some serious risks. Uh, what they call the Darlington Stripe, which is basically scraping the paint off the side of your car when you hit the wall. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a it, – it's another one of those driver-friendly tracks where if you have a handling car, you can put it anywhere and you can make moves, and we can see two, uh, you know, two, maybe three wide racing. So it should be pretty interesting Sunday during the day, so it should be another slick surface. Um, and So do you want to go into that or do you want to touch on the next-gen car reveal? That we saw on the this. T- we should probably just touch on the next gen reveal. The cars look awesome. They do. Uh, partial to the Mustang there. I am. I do drive a Chevy personally, but like <laughs> the, the the Mustang looked sweet. I don't know well, if it I was drive the a matte Chevy paint well, scheme. But the Mustang looks awesome. I don't know if it was the matte blue paint scheme that was on it or what, but that thing looks sweet. Um, there's a lot to like about the car. The horsepower is basically going to be smack in the middle of the two packages that we have right now. But it's going to be the only package they run. So they're not switching between 
750 horsepower like we have this week with low downforce or the 550 with the high downforce and it's just one package the car is supposed to run in that same package on any track that they run on in nascar they tested it on just about every style of track um so that should be that should be nice the composite bodies are also going to be sweet uh for those of you that are unaware there are two different body types in nascar right now the xfinity series has the composite bodies the cup series has steel bodies uh if you watch an xfinity race there's substantially more beating and banging that happens without people getting tire rubs or uh tires going down or fenders getting smashed because composite bodies bend and then they pop back out right steel bodies like the cup series if you touch the wall you're going to get a tire rub if you brush somebody you're going to get a tire rub your day is going to suck so uh this should be a lot more fun to watch uh for like you remember the finish at darlington last year between chase briscoe and kyle bush in the xfinity i was gonna mention that um yeah. you can find it on youtube it's awesome because they were bumping pretty much in the last I think lap NASCAR or two. tweeted it out today too it was it's actually it's one of the better finishes from last year and and on top yeah. of that it was an emotional week for chase briscoe as well because right. his wife had lost uh their child during her pregnancy and so obviously that win right. meant a little more to him um but e- even with without that it's it's one of the most exciting finishes uh to a race that i've seen in a re- recent memory and the beating and banging is fantastic and nobody's car gets damaged there's no smoke coming out it's not settled because one guy's tire goes flat and has to give up the chase um <clears throat> well so, you could also look at and this goes way back but when ricky craven and kurt bush i think raced in way back in Early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's tied for the closest margin of victory. In any, I think it is the closest margin of victory yeah, in NASCAR like history. Zero zero two seconds. Uh, yeah. Because they were pretty much like hugging each other as they crossed the finish line. Yeah, basically. So you got more, uh, you know, bumping his racing type stuff going on. Uh, Goodyear did announce that it'll be a softer compound tire, which means it's going to have a little bit more wear to it even on tracks that don't have tire wear. And so I joked to my wife that Atlanta, they're going to last about six six laps. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be kind of fun to see. Uh, they're also slightly wider, so that'll be a change a little bit how they drive. Uh, but overall, I'm very But doesn't happy. Darlington kind of like wear tires to begin with? Yes, Darlington wears tires a, a little bit more than Homestead, but not to the degree that Atlanta does. Mm. Um, so... Overall, I'm very happy with the next-gen car. One thing I do have a problem with is they went to a single lug nut on the tire, like an F1 style, um, instead of the 5. And I get why they did it. It's because your pit crew, like, you shouldn't be advantaged by paying for a better pit crew, right? Like, you know, Joe Gibbs has the best pit crews because they're very well-funded, and they were also one of the ones that were developing their own, you know... uh, air guns last year that nascar then had to turn around and say no we got to give everybody their the same uh you know air gun to to put the uh lug nuts on so but overall i think it's it's quite good so far the reports from the drivers who have tested the car um say it's quite nice um it's tough to drive it puts the cars it puts puts things into the driver's hands um so yeah, we'll see that on the on the track starting with the clash next year, and then it's uh, you know 
go time for the next gen car. So with that, we'll turn our attention to uh, Darlington this week because we got all three series are at Darlington this weekend. So we got a triple header weekend. It's the bane of here. my existence. Yeah, it's gonna I've be, enjoyed well, it. The bane of the bane of our existence is going to come in a couple of weekends at Coda because they just announced the schedule for Coda and their same day qualifying for every single series. So I like the weeks when there's yeah. only like one Xfinity race. There's a truck race, maybe. The weekends when there's both, it's it's, it's tough. It's tough pulling. Double. Yeah, and uh, Pocono is going to be first super world fun. problem. Yeah, Pocono is going to be great with a truck race and Xfinity race and back to back Cup races. So, yeah, but let's go yeah. ahead and, uh, you know, get your thoughts on the truck and Xfinity races here uh, this week for, for Darlington. <clears throat> All right. So uh, we've kind of previewed or talked a little bit about uh, tire wear. We've talked about how it's it's an egg-shaped track, essentially. Um, one end of the track is uh, the turns are much wider than the other end. Very, very unique track. What tracks can we look at that are slightly uh, – comparable to Darlington. There aren't really many to look at, but I feel like Dover could be one. Dover's one that I use somewhat. I also look at Homestead Miami, and I, to a degree, look at um, Las Vegas because the banking is kind of similar to Darlington, but it's kind of a unique one, not just in distance because it's 1.33 miles, but the egg shape and then and, you know, the banking, it's steeper than most intermediate tracks, too. So in terms of tire wear, it's Homestead. Um, steepness, it's kind of like Dover and Vegas. And shape-wise, it's not really going to be like any other one. Right. All right. And now one thing before we dive into the driver pool or preview trucker Xfinity. We talked about this beforehand. They're running a new package this week that they have not run at Darlington previously. Correct. So how much weight are you still putting on track history? I'm I'm going to look at it a little bit, but there is one driver that we are in a huge disagreement on, and we'll get to that yes. in the breakdown. But how much weight are you still giving track history this week, given the new package? I'm giving it some. Um, I think a pretty decent way of doing this is, is to go somewhat on track history because obviously being comfortable on a track is – you know, key to how a guy is going to drive, right? All of these guys are used to driving all sorts of different race cars at any given time. Now, it is a 750-horsepower package this week. That's the low downforce one. We've seen that run at, um, you know, Richmond. They ran it. They ran it at Martinsville. They ran it at Phoenix this year. But it is different than the 550-horsepower package we saw at Kansas last weekend. Um, and it is different than any other time they've gone to Darlington in the last couple of years. So there is that. Um, so, you know, in the playbook, I will stipulate how the guy, how the guys have done in the last, you know, probably nine or 10, 750 horsepower races. Now, the trick with that, though, is that package has generally been run on flat and short tracks. So... Can you say that Richmond and Martinsville and New Hampshire and Phoenix are all that comparable to Darlington? Because those are the tracks that that package is basically... I mean, it's also been run at road courses, but road courses are not at all comparable. So it's kind of an interesting boat we're in here between who's done well in this package and who's done well at this track because 
the two are meeting and neither one is really in the same circle on a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. All right, very interesting topic. We'll get to it when, you, when we preview the Cup Series. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you've taken a look at the truck race or the Xfinity race. Um, I'm kind of getting my first looks at it. I was in the NASCAR chat a little bit before we started talking. Um, for the truck race, I feel like they kind of missed the price on John Hunter Nemechek. He's been at yeah. flat out awesome uh, this year. He's beaten his boss twice, right? Uh, yes, and then lost last week, though. Right. So he's beaten his boss twice, and I think his boss has beaten him twice. Uh, but he has two wins on the year in five of his last six races. It's been he's been in the top five, uh, or and he's won two of those races. Eleven thousand dollars, and he's on the pole. It seems like they probably should have priced him up a little bit more because he's a fine candidate to dominate the race. I didn't want to play Parker Kligerman at 10,400, but we were doing the math and he really only needs to finish like top 13, top 14 for 5x value. And he could pilot it. Yeah, that's that's it's very doable. He could easily get a top 10 as well and even push that. Uh, Favorite value plays. I haven't given too much look. I mean, uh, I may mispronounce the name, but Corey Haim. Corey Heim, uh, he's 6,900, which is always nice. He's also in uh, Kyle Busch's 51 truck this weekend. He's starting. Always a good bet. Yeah, and he's a regular in the Arca series. He and Ty Gibbs pretty much run that show. Um, And then if I'm looking way down, I would consider Haley Deegan at 4,800 starting P10. This is a very tough track if you don't have experience. But I'm willing, but at this price tag, she can actually afford to lose four or five spots and still at 5x value. I'd even be willing to give her a long enough leash to let her lose about six or seven spots. And as long as you have the, her with the right dominator, you can get by just as a cheap pay down option. She only kills, kills you if she really wrecks. Um, just Those are just some quick thoughts on truck race. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to chime in? Not sure if you looked at it. No, I mean, I will say I did look up, and the truck race, um, I think they've only been racing here the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. They did race earlier in the 2000s here, and then they came back the last two years, if I'm not mistaken, um, unless that was Xfinity. Um, there's there's gaps in a few of the series, because um, one of our subs was asking, I think it was Big Day, was asking if ARCA runs here typically about Ty Gibbs and they they don't K and N series hasn't run here since I think the eighties. Um, so, and then the truck series is fairly new to Darlington. Xfinity has been there, I guess for about the last 15, 20 years for the most part. Um, so that's a little bit tricky with the, with the track history and they're still not getting practice. Um, and it is a fairly tricky track if you're not used to it because the two different radii of corners is going to throw people off. Uh, for the Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs is 11,100 starting P29. Uh, I was yeah. in the chat before we started recording. I know it's Darlington. This is a tough track. You just hit on uh, how this track is difficult if you're not used to it. But Ty Gibbs has just shown up three times so far this year. He won at the Daytona Road Course. Uh, right. I was, mean, for God's sakes, they don't run that in any other series. And the they guy don't. showed up without practice <laughs> and then just flat dominate and held off like really good road racers. Danger, Cindric, yeah. Yeah. So uh, And then he was runner up at Phoenix. And then he uh, he also he has another top five as well this year. 
And so 11,100, he's starting P29. He's in the star car for Joe Gibbs Racing. It's it's a, it's a hell of a ride. He only he's going to be 100% played. He Yeah, and uh, he needs a ninth place finish for, I believe, 5X value. And he's yeah, I think that's finished, doable. He's finished top five in every race. So he's a little bit underpriced. Uh, Austin Sindrick is a guy that's kind of – he's surprisingly under 10K. Uh, he's the defending champion. He's won twice this year, under 10K, and he's on the front row. I really like him this week. Uh, Big Day mentioned him earlier. And there's just a ton of pretty solid plays. Michael Annette is 9,300. He's starting P20. He's almost a lock for uh, a top 10 finish, although results haven't really yielded that. Um, I think he can, he's, he's a fine play this week. Uh, sh- should probably be a little bit more. Josh Berry is 9,100. Uh the Xfinity race has a lot of chalk. Um, they also have some pretty cheap names that I'm not familiar with, but Bailey Curry is starting P39, and he's only 5,800. I don't really know what DraftKings is doing there. No, I, I don't either. Um, I will say it should be fun to watch Noah Gregson drive the high line here and be super aggressive because uh, it's kind of what he does. And it's Checkers are wreckers, man. Yeah, this is a track where the high line pays off. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the uh, cup breakdown, but... You know, like I put it on a show at Homestead. This is kind of a similar track to how you can drive it. So um, here's to hoping he finishes a race, though. All right. Let's transition to the cup race. Uh, Kyle Larson is the most expensive driver on DraftKings. I do not As have Fandle. should be. Should be. <laughs> Absolutely. Starting P14, 11,400. He has PD on his side. He has laps led dominator uh, points led on his side. That was I just butchered that. Uh, but he's in the fastest car so far this season, and this is a track that he has a pretty decent history at and worse equipment. Um, how much would too much exposure to Kyle Larson be this week? Because I'm ready to go 60%. That's probably fair. Um, Larson, by the way, is the third most expensive guy on FanDuel. He's 13000 Hamlin and Truex are more expensive than he is. So that's a you know nice little pay down, I guess, on FanDuel. Um I'm not surprised by the price on DraftKings. If you had told, if you had given me one bet to bet the most expensive guy before the prices came out, I would have said Larson because he drives the high line. He's led a bunch of laps here. He probably should have won at least two races here. Um, yeah, he's really good at this track. It fits his driving style. The five cars have been basically unbeatable in speed at intermediate tracks this year. Um, and he's got a, um, if I'm not mistaken, is this the week that Valvoline debuts on his car? Um, um or is Valvoline I wasn't, that, I wasn't on sure if that was him Byron. I, I think Valvoline Byron. is on Byron's car this week and then it's going to Larson's for a few weeks, for a few weeks. Um, yeah. Also, by the way, it's throwback weekend. So you're going to see some, some pretty awesome paint schemes on these cars. Um, for example, Corey LaJoy is going back to the 1992 Cup champion, uh, Alan Kowicki, and his paint scheme, which fits because Kowicki drove the seven uh, that year. And uh, Corey LaJoy's team is actually in, is using Alan Kowicki's old shop as their team shop. So um, that's a pretty sweet throwback. Alex Bowman is throwing back to his crew chief's uh, race winning car when he was driving, I don't know, some lower level. Um, so we got some pretty cool throwbacks, but yeah, Larson is going to be popular as he should be. Um, like I said, he hasn't gotten the finishes that he should have, but I will say this, even with a 19th place finish last week at Kansas, he still put out more than a hundred DK points. So 
there's that. <laughs> uh, he's going to be in the core plays. I'm not even going to ask it. I just know it. What's your approach with Joey Logano this week? Uh, 11,100, starting P12. Um, not the greatest outing from him last week. I was very light on him, luckily. Uh, the food poisoning thing kind of worried me. Yeah, that had me a little, because I wasn't sure. They said he was going to be good to go the whole time and not need a, not need a, um, you know, but I'm like, yeah, he's probably going to take it easy a little bit. Um, I don't think he's going to push full bore, and that's kind of what happened. So uh, he's the kind of driver, though, when we're talking about this package and we look at, you know, the shorter flat tracks. And this does seem like a package that could cater to his strengths. So where do you stand on him this week, starting P12? It's easier to go to Larson and just pay $300 more. But right. low ownership on Logano push you to more Logano, I'm probably still going to avoid him this week. Yeah, I'll probably play him lower this week. Um, it's just not a track that he's done spectacularly well at. I mean, he's put together a solid history here, but again, you know, it's the difference between waiting history and and in this package. So, um, I don't know. I'd rather pay the 300 bucks more for the shot at Larson dominating than save the 300 bucks and go with Logano. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., 10,300, starting fourth. I believe, I don't have stats really in front of me, but I believe he dominated this race in the fall, correct? Uh, I believe so. Let me pull that up here real quick. I can pull it up. Uh, I mean, he I'm and Denny are kind of close. Denny's 10-6, starting P7. Denny's just been solid all mm-hmm. season. Except last week was a little bit of a dud. I mean, he still put up 52 points so and with 24 fastest laps, so it's hard to call that necessarily being a dud. Um, who would you go with between Denny and Truex? Truex starting three spots higher, but he's also $300 cheaper. I almost um, want to lean Truex here. Yeah. It's really, it's really tough because normally this is a, like, a distance that's right in Truex's wheelhouse, right? We've been talking about this for a while that he does really, really well a mile and a half or intermediate tracks. Um, last fall, by the way, in case you're wondering, he started sixth halfway through. He was up to first uh, with 10% of the race left. He was at second and then he finished 22nd. So he kind of wrecked out there and faded a little bit. Um, but, you know, Denny has been top five almost every week. So it's kind of hard to. Uh, ignore what he's done in basically every package and every different type of track. Um, This is a track that he's done well at here. He has won the Southern 500 before. Kind of tends to fit his driving style, too. Um, So I might actually lean Denny over Truex this week. Okay. Uh, Disagreement number two that we have. Um... Brad Keselowski, what's the approach with him this week? I was, I didn't have any Brad Keselowski last week, and I think that ultimately kept me from having a bigger day. He started on the pole for Kansas in the Bushy McBush race, 400. Led 72 laps, 18 fastest laps. Finished top three. Another solid run out of Keselowski. Yeah. Now, I will say um, he is going to be without his crew chief this week, Jeremy Bullins, because uh, there's some, I guess, COVID protocols happening with the two-car team this week. Um, so Jeremy Bullins will not be on the pit box for Kozlowski. It'll be, I think, his chief engineer 
is crew chiefing, and it's the same guy who crew chiefed for him in Atlanta when Jeremy Bullens was suspended for lug nut uh, for a lug nut penalty. Um, so you know, take take that for what it is. Jeremy Bullens will still be part of setting up the th- you know setting up the car, setting up strategy. Um, I'm not sure if he's allowed to be on like a video conference during the race or what, because uh, he's not suspended. He's just not there because of protocol. So, um, you know, this is a track where the pole sitter, um, you know, has typically done okay. Although in the last five races, it hasn't scored all that well here for DFS purposes. Um, the last five races here, which includes three from last year. The pole sitter ranks 30th on DraftKings and 32nd on FanDuel in terms of points. So take that for what you will. Um, That's regardless of who has started in those spots. And keep in mind, I'm pretty sure Kevin Harvick was one of them uh, last year. So I don't know. This kind of been a hit and miss track for Kislowski. I'm probably going to be a little bit off of him uh, this week. I would take Truex over Kislowski without question. I think I would agree with that for just $300 more. Uh, what's your yeah. approach with Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick? They were basically the DFS gems last week. Um, Bush is starting third. Harvick starting second. They are both under 10K. Yeah, they're still under 10K, even though Bush won. Harvick finished second and looked very good doing it. Um, I go with Look, I have no problem with Kevin Harvick. I've said that for the last few weeks. He's been finishing in the top 10. He just hasn't been dominating yet. But at the price points, finishing in the top 10 is basically all he's needed to do. This week, he's going to have to dominate a little bit because he's starting second. Um, but this is a track where in the last four races here, he's finished. He's, his average finish is 2.3, and he's got a couple of wins. Um, and he did win the very first race after the COVID break last year without practice, without qualifying. Just set it up and go. The one in, in which Ricky Stenhouse didn't even complete a lap. <laughs> I um, forgot this was that track. <laughs> yeah, Stenhouse spun out uh, in turn two turn on the first two. lap um, in the first race back, so kind of on brand for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go, I would probably say I'd lean Kevin Harvick over Kyle Busch this week, but it's close. I actually kind of want to go Kyle Busch over Harvick. Um, let's kind of just rapid fire these next few guys alex bowman chase elliott ryan blaney william byron christopher bell there's some good pd plays here with bowman blaney bell even kurt bush um i don't know i really like chase elliott this week 9200 defending cup series champion he looks See, good the helium week. the helium has been rising on chase elliott this week and i'm not there yet no i'm just not quite there yet um, I will have some exposure to him because let's face it, it's Chase Elliott. The Hendrick cars have been popping off at the at the intermediate track distances. He did look reasonably quick last week. Um, I just need him to run up front more. Like he's just not running up front. Like solid finishes don't do it for me. From if I'm playing Chase Elliott, I need you're expecting laps fast led. laps. I need laps led. I need something right like i can't just go with because he's been more expensive than harvick the entire time so that's the difference between chase and harvick is it harvick was cheaper so you just needed solid finishes um but chase elliott still hasn't hit value yet this year so it you know i'm pretty sure he did last week 
Did he hit value last week? That so he needed 52 time. points for 5x, and he got 53. But again, you know, he didn't lead any laps. It was he only had five fastest laps, so it was all right. It was all because so he, it was because he started 17th and he got a top five. Right. So that was that was the setup play. And right? who knows what could have happened if Blaney and Larson don't wreck? Right, because he was in that spot and he had to check up, and you know. So I mean, I'll have exposure to him, but at this point. I'm still – I might be more likely to get more exposure to Byron. I'm certainly going to get a lot more exposure to Larson and uh, Bowman. Bowman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Blaney this week? I like Blaney this week. I think this track fits his driving style. I know it hasn't worked out terribly well for him in the past. Um, but he has also started – much higher than he is this week so um i don't know how i don't actually think i like him this week to be completely honest and i'll mix him in because in this range uh, i feel like you have to get exposure to almost a little bit of everyone but this mid-tier is loaded with people right i would either i would rather pay up four hundred dollars for bowman and get a couple extra spots of bd or pay down to christopher bell yeah who's p21 or Kurt Busch starting next to him for 600 bucks less. Correct, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not my favorite play at this price point, but I will have a little bit. I mean, I, let me put it this way. I'll treat him like I'm treating Chase Elliott, right? Like, I'll have a little bit of exposure because huh. the price is pretty decent. Um, and he can make a bunch of his value from PD. Um, but it is a little dicey. This week with Blaney because he hasn't shown quite the consistency that the other two Penske cars have. Uh, I just realized there's no nice driver of the week in the Cup Series. <laughs> oh, really? There's no $6,900 there. It's a damn shame, DraftKings. That's a Impressive. damn shame. All right, so let's get to the driver that we're uh, in a big disagreement over. Yes. Eric Jones, 8200 on DraftKings, starting P26. Do you want to kick this off while you're pro Eric Jones, or should I start with why I'm anti Eric Jones? Well, I guess we just let the cat out of the bag, so I'll, I'll roll with it. So he needs 41 points to hit value, right? At 8,200 bucks, he's starting P26. Um, I contend that he has not yet gotten the finishes that he probably deserves this year. I think he's driven better than the uh, finishes show, kind of like some other people um, that we've been talking about. Um, yes, he has been very good at this track, and yes, it was in different equipment. It was in JGR cars, and this is clearly not a JGR car, though it did pick up some spots last year. Um, the 43 car did. Um, but I just think that this track fits his driving style. He has talked about it before that it just fits his driving style. He can get into a rhythm here, so I don't think that it really matters what car he's in. Um... And in the 750 horsepower package, he's been pretty decent. Um, so would I be a bigger fan if if the price was a little lower? Yeah, sure. But I'll still pay him. I'll still play him at 8,200 bucks. And at 7,300 on Fanduel, sure, I'm definitely throwing him in because it, it, it's a PD shot, um, and he's won here in the past. Um, yeah. But I mean, like as we as we touched on, the reason I'm off him is because I just haven't liked what I've seen this year. Uh, I, the, the equipment. I apologize for the noise in the background if you can hear it. Uh, the equipment is a downgrade. 
the price tag I hate. I think I said before the podcast I wouldn't even play him if he was seventy two hundred, let alone eighty two hundred. Um, equipment's bad. I haven't liked what I've seen this year. Uh, what else did I say? Anything? I don't know. I just he's not passing the eyeball test for me, and I think that's what I'm struggling with. And maybe I am just looking at the overall finishes, but at the end of the day, that is kind of what matters for DFS. So I can confidently say that I will be. If I'm making 50 to 60 lineups, I'm probably only going to throw him into four or five. Because, again, as we mentioned with Blaney, there are just other guys in this price range that I'd rather play. I'd rather go to Bell. I'd rather go to Kurt Busch. And given the package that we're seeing this weekend, I'd rather go to Eric Almarola for $200 cheaper starting P27. And Almarola was a guy I initially was not going to get on this week. Uh, but when I heard it was going to be the 750 horsepower low downforce package, I thought this might work out for Almarola. Yeah, I will say that I'm higher on Almarola for sure. You and I agree on that one, um, no doubt. Um, I'm still going to have more Eric Jones in my lineups. It's just I, I just like the upside he he brings. And by the way, to get 41 points, he's basically going to finish just inside the top 15. Well, to here's what there. I'll say. Here's what I do like about Eric Jones is that I think that he's burned enough people the past few weeks that he's just left a very um, negative stigma. Uh, 19 points last week at Kansas. 16 at Talladega, but whatever, that's Talladega. Right. Uh, I think it was Martinsville. He started 16. So, like, the finishes haven't been there. So, I feel like the good thing with Jones is that he could be a decent leverage play. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think there's the people are going to start to overlook him, especially with you got Amarola starting around him. Um, I think there's going to be some, some other plays in that, you know, 20s. You know, Christopher Bell's going to attract some attention. Um, so you got some other people in that price range that are going to attract attention. Um, but I still think he's worth the shot here, given I know we said at the start of the pod that track history, we got to wait that because it is a little different this week with the with the package. But I, I can't ignore that Eric Jones has come out and said that this is a track that suits his um his you know vision and by the way for what it's worth i don't know if we can wait this for anything or whatever but he did win the i race at darlington on wednesday night <laughs> so <laughs> there is that whoop de doo i'm just saying i'm just throwing <laughs> it out there i get it uh how do you feel about austin dillon tyler reddick uh some pretty nice dry tyler reddick's gonna be electric this week he's going yeah. to be electric Driving the high line on an aggressive track that he's shown up and done pretty decently at in the past. Um, now, if you're asking me which one I would have more shares of between Tyler Reddick and Eric Jones, it's going to be Tyler Reddick. Even though he's starting close to the front, it's still going to be Tyler Reddick. <clears throat> I kind of agree with that assessment. Um and, and and it's not just like his uh, the style of track or that he could run well. In four of his last uh, five races coming into this race, he's finished in the top eight. So it's not just right. that he runs well at this type of track. It's just he's been racing pretty well. And, you know, we're coming into this race with a new package. 
Uh, still no practice, no qualifying. So I think the best strategy is just play the drivers that are showing up, and Reddick has been a guy that's been doing that. Yeah. And, um, you know, as for his teammate, Austin Dillon, I apologize. My cat is having a sneezing fit in the background. Um, uh, you know, as for Austin Dillon, I like him too. I would take a slight discount on Tyler Reddick over Austin Dillon. Um, but Austin Dillon's been impressive so far and he's really made leaps and bounds in that mile and a half package over the last year or so um you know had a little bit of issues at kansas last week um but yeah i would i would i tyler reddick is i think they mispriced him at 7400 bucks uh any value plays under tyler reddick uh i'm gonna say ryan newman might be on your radar at 72, uh, starting P20. I'm not exactly sure he's online. Maybe. I mean, the PD is not really there for me this week, given what he where he usually finishes here and where he's starting in the price tag. It's a little bit of a mismatch for me. Um, uh, Chris Buescher, 6,500, starting 11th. No, I feel like for casual players, they might be off him there. Yeah, I mean, the price is nice. But again, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, let's start looking at the guys that are starting behind him, and can he hold that spot? Would you rather go to Ross? I kind of feel like I'd rather go to Chastain and take the shot on Chastain. Two hundred bucks cheaper, and he gives you seven more spots of PD. He also looked phenomenal at Kansas last week. He's riding uh, four straight top twenties. Granted, there are yeah. a variety of tracks, and you know, no track. Was okay. Unfair. Right, but this forty-two team also knows how to set up the car for this track. No, that's true. Good, right? Yeah. Like they did it for um, Larson. Right. So I'm not saying Chastain's anywhere near the talent level of Kyle Larson, but you've got to take into account that Kyle Larson made that car do what it could do, and it's not as fast as the five car. So the team has to have something to do with that, right? They've got to be able to set it up pretty decently. Um, Aside Chase from Ryan. Uh, you you want to look at Chase Briscoe this week? Maybe. I mean, we did say he had a pretty good run in the Xfinity series last year here, right? No, I, I mean, and I get that, but at the, the same cups, time, yes, the Cubs have not been good for for Briscoe. They, and I'm like, I'm not saying he's he's a bust by any means. Like he he a year ago we were talking about him. Right. How it was just the Briscoe and Cindric show at Xfinity. It's been a tough transition. And I was actually pretty heavy on him uh, for the Toyota Owners 400, and that almost paid off. Uh, but for r- right now, I don't know. Uh, I feel He's like I gave him four points to hit to hit value. He's starting what twenty first. He, he, he hasn't done that since Miami. If we take away Talladega, twenty second. He's starting 22nd. He needs 34 points. So 22nd puts him at 20 points. So he's going to need seven spots. No. So, yeah, if he he's starting 22nd, which is 20 points, right? He needs 34 to hit value. So he's going to move up seven spots because you're going to get seven spots of PD, right? So the top 15. He needs, yeah, I mean, 16th will basically get him there 15 will put him over so i don't have much faith yeah i mean i'm not saying it's a lock and load value play right is this a track that drivers can easily easily get lapped at 
I can't really remember off the top of my head. Uh, we can find out because I got the last five races here. Uh, last year, the Southern 500, there were 367 laps run. 20 of the drivers finished on the lead lap. In the shortened Wednesday race, uh, there were 208 laps run. 23 cars finished on the lead lap. In the Sunday one that started the season back up, there were 293 laps, just like there will be this Sunday. And 24 drivers finished on the lead lap. Uh, back in 2019, 24 drivers on the lead lap. And back in 2018, 23 drivers on the lead lap. Oh, sorry, no. In 2018, there were 16 drivers on the lead lap. Uh, any other drivers you're willing to dumpster die for? Oh, when you put it like that, you know, it makes it so Ryan Priest is the only one that really comes off the page. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Priest has a shot. Um, his driving style seems to fit this track if as long as he doesn't put it on the wall uh which is always a risk with priest but he does have a couple of top 20s in his four races here so that's kind of encouraging um other than that not so much i mean i can tell you i'm kind of still off of de benedetto starting inside the top 10 um i'm kind of with you i'm still kind of off michael mcdowell starting in the top you know, what, 13 and 6100 bucks, still kind of off him. This has not necessarily been his cup of tea. Um, Kurt Busch, I like him this week. So, you know, those, those would be the guys. Um, still not playing Bubba Wallace. You know, if you play Quinn Huff, Tyler Reddick, and Ross Chastain, you have ten thousand six hundred left over for the remaining the average salary for the remaining three drivers. Well, that's impressive. So you could get Denny, who's ten six, and basically anybody but Larson and Logano. Pretty much, yeah. You could or do, you get or you could Larson. do Denny Larson Hamlin. Or no, uh, Bowman Larson Hamlin, because Denny is Hamlin. Right, Denny is Hamlin. All right, well, it's pretty clear I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> time to go. Uh, but, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, best of luck to you this week for Darlington. Definitely check out this race. The The designs and the vehicles are going to be awesome. Uh, best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.